Hello, welcome to Teaching at the Speed of Sound, the podcast about sound teaching practices in a fast-paced world. I am Kat of Gibby Teaches. I am Aubrey of Aubrey Teaches. And today, we are going to talk about our favorite technology apps and how we use them. So, let's zoom into the show. Welcome back to our podcast, and we are at Sonic again, a different Sonic and different drinks, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, but first, I have a small correction corner, but this time it's not for Aubrey. Oh, good. I'm so relieved. (laughs) This time our correction, my correction corner is for our district, and I'm not going to say what district, and it's not really bad, it's just maybe a suggestion, because in my whole teaching career which is a lot longer than I would like to say right now, but I have never, ever, not once, started school on a Monday. And I suggest that we never do that again. Let's correct that because (laughs) that was a problem. And you know, you start off the week really up and everything's going great. And then by Friday, everyone was dragging. It was, it was really, too much. It was just too much. Would you yes, agree with that? No, for sure. We never, and I don't know if this is, uh, like if other places or other states might do that more often or why, that would be interesting. Yeah. Let's see in your comments. Like when do you start? Usually. What day of the week do you start yeah, on? Yeah, do you start on? Usually we have started on a Thursday, which is kind of like perfect sweet spot to me because you get two days to deal with supplies, deal with your roster, you know, changing and fluctuating yeah and, you know you get to know your kids a little bit yeah and get used to getting up early again not just you <laughs> but the kids too get used to getting up and yes. being there and you then can you get can some come, procedures out of the way just a few things yeah and, do some fun things and then come in on a monday and really start your like yeah. schedule and things start for real so you get those a couple of days it would be interesting to know in other parts of the country when they start because we usually do not start on a monday for a whole week that's the first time i've ever done it And it's It's been really hard. And maybe if we were used to it, it wouldn't be such a big deal. Yeah, maybe. But none of the other districts around us did that. They all started, like, the week before us, so they could start on Thursday. And I know the school district where I live started on Friday, so it was possible. I don't know why we did that. But anyway, just a slight correction for my district. So let's do that. Let's fix that. (laughs) Uh, Also, I have a question. Like, last time we did a little Sonic thing, so now I'm going to ask you, where do you think we should live if we wanted to do the most podcasts of all? Where what like, which do you has think the has most the most Sonics? Sonics? Yes, I would probably guess Texas because Texas is so big. Yeah, Texas. Okay, because was- Texas has like <laughs> over nine hundred Sonics. Uh, Oklahoma has three hundred something. But uh, but it was at Oklahoma. It started in Oklahoma. And here's what I'm going to say about that. Uh, and if you're not from around here, we'll explain this. <laughs> We're used to losing all our bus things to Texas. <laughs> and that's because we lose teachers every year to Texas because we have such a, a t- teacher shortage here and, and uh, you know, the reason for the walkout and everything and all the teachers left. A lot of them went to Texas because there are so many jobs there and they pay better. And so, you know, we stuck around because some of us are stuck here. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. And some of us want to stay because we want to make it better. And I'm not knocking anybody that left because it's a choice, but you know, also, no, yeah, also sure. 
Russell Westbrook went to Houston. So we're just used to losing all of our best stuff. So Sonic, you know, Texas took it over. But here's another thing. Texas people are smart because they know the best things come from Oklahoma. Sorry. Not, not, not. That was just a joke. That's just a joke. Uh, (laughs) There's just probably more Sonics because it's It's big. big. Yeah, it's big. Yeah. So yeah, there's like over 900 Sonics. Yeah. In Texas. And in some states, there's one Sonic. So that's kind of funny. Okay, so my drink today is Grape Sprite. Did you try it? Is it good? It is good. Awesome. I was really boring today, and I never, <laughs> I never, ever order this. And it's just a plain Dr. Pepper, which I don't ever drink. I'm like a Coca-Cola person, always. But every so often, I'll drink a Dr. Pepper. When I was in high school... I used to go get a drink before I went to class. I went to class half days for some time. And I would always go get a drink. And my friends would always know what kind of mood I was in. Based on if I brought a Coke (laughs) or a Dr. Pepper. Because Coke is like when I'm stressed or tired. I like Coke is like coffee to me. You know, like really energize me. And then Dr. Pepper is when I'm just like chill. It's like my students. They're like, have you had your coffee yet? When I'm in a bad mood, they're like, you probably need some more coffee. (laughs) I really do have a caffeine problem, but I have no plans on attacking that quite yet. You're not not, not going to coffee rehab or anything? No, in August? Are you kidding me? I'm like surviving. I think that we're just kind of like, right now we're just kind of slow-mo because we just finished our first week week, and it was hard. It was hard. It's, I, I just really, I was telling some other people, like, this is bad of me to say as a teacher, but I just don't love the first week of school. <laughs> like, I like yes. meeting my kids and whatever, but it's so hard to set everything up, and you don't really know them yet, and they don't know how to do things independently yet. It's really hard. I was telling, I was talking to somebody else the other day because, you know, any other profession that you go into, you get there, and, you know, you work it out how you want to do it, and everything starts running smoothly, and it gets better over time, and it, it's true for us too, but teachers have the uh, problem of, oh, I get these kids in there, and we, we build relationships, and it starts running smoothly, like clockwork, and everything is going smoothly, and then we have to start all over, over. again, and I mean, all over again. They wiped out our iPads and everything, so we have to re-download everything as like what other profession has to start over again but sometimes that is a positive too because (laughs) you like we get to start over again (laughs) yeah but they move all our furniture i mean we start from scratch we have to go in and move everything and this year was a little more difficult for us too because we couldn't get into our school building because there was construction and for some reason the summer just isn't a long enough time for them to finish these projects so we were still having construction going on and not able to get into our rooms as quickly as we wanted to which i think added to the stress so <sighs> anyway that was my whole like yeah, crouching corner school. and yeah <laughs> good job but we're going to talk about something i might be rambling today we're talk about something part. fun today <laughs> we picked something that is actually that both of us really like to talk about so that we can have something fun to talk about which we've done a couple of we've actually done a couple of professional professional developments developments, not gone to the professional development we ran the professional development about this subject so maybe it'll go well because we we (laughs) we're kind of used to talking about it yeah so (laughs) it is technology and we had some people on the instagram post say that they wanted to hear about technology and so we're going to talk about technology and specifically apps um slash websites they're also if you don't aren't with Apple. You can also use the websites for these things that are tools that both of us use and talk a little bit about them and how we use them. The, we use a lot of things, so we're not going to talk about all of the things, 
but um, just talk about the ones that we use the most that make the biggest impact probably. And both of us are, I think we've said before, but one-to-one iPads. Um, so if you have iPads, this would definitely apply to you. Or Chromebooks, same thing. You can use those as well. Or even if you just have to use a computer lab, we were talking about that earlier, some people still have to go to computer lab, you can still use these tools too. Just plan on the day you're going in there to use some of these things. Yes. I also have to use them a little bit differently than I do because I use them a lot of times in a station. So it's, yeah. you can't really do that in a computer lab. But You could do still some like small group things. if You, you just have to be kind of creative about it. Yeah. You just need to get six computers in your room. Yeah. That'll work. Yeah. That's what you use. <laughs> and we will start with kind of our preface. We always say this when we do professional development over this is some people are very wary of technology because of two reasons. One, they might not know a lot about it. And so that makes them worry about it. Or they just have these negative kind of thoughts about it because they've seen it used badly and it can be used very badly. And it can be used, as we all know, we all say it's like glorified worksheet or glorified babysitter. And they can be used in those ways, but that's not how we're presenting it. And that's not the tools that we're presenting. They wouldn't work that way. The tools that we're showing you uh, really take a lot of skill. (laughs) Like you're really still gonna be teaching. It's not just stick the kids on it and go, or throw your worksheet on it and go. It's not how those these tools work. And my and I was saying to Aubrey before we started this that, you know, this is more of a. It would be better with visuals. So she did say that she would link some in so that you can go in and look at some actual visual yes. images of the things that we're doing. Yeah. Like screenshots that we've taken. And both of us have. Uh, well, at least on my Instagram, my Facebook page, I have some things on there. And also, I'll link in the show notes. Um, the first tool we're going to talk about, which I'll just go right into, is our favorite, is our right? favorite, favorite one. I love this one. Which I is, use it every day. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we're not getting paid by any of these people either. Well, we should it's not sponsor. <laughs> if you are listening, anybody from this <laughs> no, company. No, I don't think you can do it that way. <laughs> oh. um, it's, it's Nearpod. And Nearpod. we have a... Um, the first time I heard it, I thought, that is the weirdest name. It is weird. (laughs) But it's a good name. I like it. And we have a workbook. I have made a workbook that has all the visuals you would need. It's going to have mostly all the information we talk about. Visuals of how we use it and how to start and how to make your own. Everything, like, is in this workbook. And I will link in the show notes how to get that workbook uh, sent to your email. It's totally free. We're also, I'm working on... It's not a workbook like the kids do. No, it's, it's for a workbook teachers. to show it's for you. you. Yeah, it's like a teacher's guide to how to use Nearpod. A teacher guide, yeah. That's what I should call it, I guess. And I'm also working on making them for all the other tools I use. The next one is going to be for Seesaw, which we will also talk about in this podcast. So I'm working on that one currently. But the Nearpod one is done and ready if you want to go find that link down there. But And we use them for very different reasons. Uh, but they tie together. They We use them in a lot together. Yeah. And so. here's the two things I always think about when I'm thinking if a technology tool or app is worthwhile. And the first one is what everybody says is it shouldn't just be you putting a worksheet on there because then you're just doing old traditional habits and thinking that it's better because it's on technology and it's really not. It's still the same. So one, I think, is this getting the kids still to think Are they creating something? Are they doing that higher level thinking? You know, all of that stuff to that. But also two is, could this help me with engagement? And not engagement in that my kids are entertained, but engagement in that every kid is able to be doing 
what we're doing, participating, and I can get information on every kid. And that's the big one with Nearpod. So Nearpod is not always them creating something, which the other two are, and we'll talk about that. Nearpod is more guided sometimes in the way that you do it. It can be. But it is a really great way for engagement. And I know I always talk about when you have your shy, quiet kids, Nearpod is great because if they don't want to speak out, they have their Nearpod to still be a part of things. So first, let's just talk about... And there is, is a, a Nearpod is free. If you're a teacher, you can get a free, download it, and you can start looking around. Account. And then get there's a free account. You, our district pays for it because you do get more storage for uh, lessons that you've done. But And there's some new features that are on the Pro, too. Oh, some different features. That yes. So it's good. it's nice to have. You can pay for it yourself like Aubrey did before our district bought it for us. But um, they saw the, the way that it could be used in... They have watched some of the things that we have done, and we have presented some things, and so they bought it again because it really is, it yeah. really is good. It's great. So it is basically, and I just describe it as an interactive presentation tool. So if you teach using anything like slides or PowerPoint or anything like that in your teaching, a Nearpod will take that presentation and send it out to all your students so their screen is showing what your screen has up there. So wherever students are sitting, or even if they're not even in your room, they can see the presentation. So they don't have to be sitting a certain place and I can't see, or I don't know, I can't see mm -hmm. what's going on. They can see it. And also gives them in opportunities in different ways to interact with it. So instead of just sitting and getting content and then raising their hand to answer, they can answer in different ways through the Nearpod, which gives you a lot of data on your students that you can keep for ever because we were talking about you can use whiteboards a lot of people use whiteboards for engagement so that all students are you know responding not just those same louder students but then with a the whiteboard you have to remember it's very observational you either have to remember or take quick notes whereas with nearpod it goes to you into your nearpod account report and you can keep it forever pull it up at conferences pull it up at your rti meetings whatever you might need that for you're talking about a certain kid all their stuff is right there so you're talking about doing it with a whole group, and that is good. Um, you could I mean, do it. either way. You get data. Yeah, either way you get data. You can do it as a whole group, um, or you can do it as a station. Well, there's but, two. There's live lesson and then yeah, there's student paced. Student paced lessons are great for putting into uh, if you're doing stations, and then you just put the code up on the board, and when they get there. And the nice thing about that too is if you want to differentiate, you can put one code for your uh, kids that need um, remediation or need a little bit, you know, uh, easier. And then you can also put a code for enrichment. And so they're doing basically the same thing, but you created the Nearpod so you can make it just a little bit for what harder or uh, make it a little bit, I mean, more words or whatever it is that you're working on. I use it for math and for language. Yes. So it's very, very easy to differentiate when the students are working on Nearpods. They don't even necessarily know that theirs is different than someone across the room. Right, they, just they don't know, know why that code yeah. is different. They're it's just, just a doing code. Nearpods. So they might be working, you might be doing like, say, a certain phonics skill, and these kids might be doing multisyllabic words while these kids are doing smaller words, but they're still working on the same skill, and that way, and that way it makes it easy to differentiate. And so, yes, like she was saying, there's two different options when you make a lesson. So a Nearpod lesson is basically like a presentation. It can be 
slides. They're basically called slides even within Nearpod. They could be mm -hmm. task cards even that you could put in there and the students click an arrow and go through the slides. If you do student paste, they can go on their own pace. They can click next when they're done and see the next thing that you want them to do. Um, live lesson is when you're doing it kind of for whole group, when you click the arrow, then everybody's screen changes. So students can't be going ahead or behind. They're just seeing what you want them to see. So it's really great. We both use it some whole group and some small group. It can go either way. Um, and I still do like the teacher paced one, even in small group, if I'm uh, doing an intervention group. You know, sometimes at my table, I pull them back and we do one as an intervention. So I control it. I don't want them moving ahead. Or I also use it as a book club. So I only let them go so far into. Yeah. So, so. whatever you want the control to be, you yeah. can set it like that. And so within Nearpod, you can put in just slides. So just pictures that you want the kids to see. Maybe it has instructions. And there are pre-made ones. You go and look at them first. And yes. they, that gives you ideas and of it is, how to um, make it. And it is Nearpod.com. There's also an app in the App Store, but you can go to Nearpod.com and see some of the lessons. Um, so you can put in slides. And then what's one really cool feature is called the Draw It feature, which you can make any slide into a Draw It and that just means now the students can write or draw or add things to that slide. They can add a text box and type if you have older kids, or they can use like a little marker tool or highlighter tool. The highlighter is also cool because they can, if you put like a text on there, they can highlight and annotate, or they can write, um, they can circle things if you want to do things like that. Just they can interact with that slide itself. So you could put a question on there and they can interact with that. Um, but then within Nearpod, there's also quizzes. You can insert a quiz. So you could put a little bit of content and then all of a sudden the next slide is a quiz. Now they have to do a little mini quiz over what you were just talking about. Or there's even a gamified quiz now called Time to Climb, which is mm -hmm. similar to like Kahoot or quizzes, which we'll talk about later too, where the students are answering questions and competing, trying to get up this mountain. There is matching match games. I like the magic game because I do a lot with phonics and so you can add a photo and then you can add text so you put a photo of an elephant and then you put an e and yeah. then you put a photo of an apple and you put an a so they're looking for the beginning sound so they're trying to match it and you can put as many as you want and it's like a matching game just for them it'll tell them right away if they're right or wrong and yes. it'll tell me how many times it took them to figure it out so it gives you a lot of feedback really good too. data yeah you can um, also put in polls. So if you want to do, like, I like to do that at the end of lessons sometimes and pull my kids to, like, tell me how you feel, one, two, three, mm -hmm. or four. Like, I got this. I'm a four, uh, four. I could teach it. Or I'm a one, whatever. However your scale works, you can put that in at the end of lessons. And poll, the polls are really good, too, when you're doing a lesson on language arts and you do a poll about a character. Like, yeah, what do you think this character should have done? Or, you know, and you can really good, give yeah. three choices and then you can discuss their choices. They could all be good answers. But mm -hmm. the discussion part is what's important about why did yeah. you choose that one. It's yeah. also a good way in math to build graphs because mm -hmm. it builds it right there and then you can talk about it. So everybody, here's our poll for favorite animal or whatever. And now we built a graph because we know graphing is a really big math skill in pretty much every grade. So that's really good too to use for math. There's also... I'm I think, think there's an endless... Possibilities, yes. That's yeah. why we can't like say everything. There's so many ways. <laughs> Sometimes I do use them, especially because I have first graders. So I will use a paper component with it. And so, like she said, you can put in uh, the cards. Like, just find some good. What do you call them? Like <laughs> uh, task cards. task cards. So just put in some task cards, and then as they flip through, they have to write their answer on the paper. So they're also getting paper pencil. You can do it that way. 
or you can have them answer actually on the screen. Yeah. Some of my kids do both. They'll put it on the screen and submit it and then still write it on the paper. So. Um, yeah. And then you can also insert, I think that's all the interactive ones pretty much. We might have missed a few, but you can also insert. Well, they have, we didn't do the interactive like field trips and things like that. They can do, but that's a lot. Um, they can, you can also insert a video. So then when the students click the arrow with a Nearpod, a video would come up and they, it is from YouTube, but it doesn't take the kids to YouTube. It just embeds it into the Nearpod. So then they can click the play button and listen to the video and then they can continue on through the Nearpod. So sometimes we like to insert videos that give the kids some background knowledge of what they're about to maybe read about in the next part of the Nearpod or what they're about to see in the next part of the Nearpod or even instructions. You can put yeah. instructions in there. You can sometimes also... you can load it at the beginning. Sometimes I do it at the end and some kids don't get to the video. So it's sort of like um, if you get finished with your Nearpod, then you get to watch the video. Um, and it's not necessary to watch it. It's just like, a, I'm finished, so I'm watching a, this little video now, like that. So you can build a lesson with all those different components. Like maybe they look at a task card and answer that, then maybe they watch something or listen to something, and then the next slide they have a draw it and they have to circle certain things, and then maybe the next one is um, a piece of text and they have to underline or whatever you want it to be. You can just build the lesson. It can have as many components as you want. And then you can send it out to the kids in student paste, or you can do it as live lesson as a whole group. And then Nearpod also has some really cool, just already built in interactive field trips. Is that what they're called? Yes. <laughs> and trips. yeah, so like different famous we places. We actually went to see the Statue of Liberty last year because in first grade we study American symbols. Yeah, that's perfect. So we went to the Statue of Liberty and the kids can actually walk around the room and, and see the, all the sides of the Statue of Liberty like they're actually there walking around it, like yeah. holding their iPad up. There's some really cool ones. Uh, some We did the Great Barrier Reef where the students are actually look like they're underwater and they get to see all the different things and different animals and hab that habitat. It's like, it's like, it's like watching a video, but it's better because they're actually controlling what they look yeah, at and they where they go. Around. Yeah. And there's really cool, very detailed models of things. If you teach science, there's a model of like a cell and all sorts of different things in there. So those are just already built in. So if you are a science or, so science or social studies teacher, you should definitely check into those, the models or the field trips, because there's probably something you could use and they're really easy to just click and then give the code to your students. Well, I'm thinking about like even art, like you can go to museums. Art museum, There's all yeah. kinds of things. Yeah. Very, very you cool. You can go up and look at the paintings like you're standing there. And I wish we could go to all these places for real, but you know, this, this is, is the, the best you can do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the codes are always just five letters and the students put them in. They get really quick at knowing how to put them in. They also mm -hmm. get really quick at learning how to use the tools because it's very, very kid friendly. They mm -hmm. learn it really fast. And then they just submit and you get a report on your end of everything every student did. So instead of just the students who talked to you that day, you get to see every single student. So like I use it in my whole group math lessons, my mini lessons, because I like to pose a question and then see everybody's thinking, not just the kids who wanted to share. I like to see everyone's thinking. So they write on their screen, they annotate on their screen, and then they send that to me. And now it's in reports. And I don't have to save it on my computer or do anything fancy with it. It's just in my reports for whenever I need to pull it up. And so everybody is doing it. Everybody is interacting with you, but they don't have to they if don't they don't to want speak. to say yeah. it out loud. They, but yeah. I can still get data on them because I can see this person is way ahead. They got it. This person barely put anything. They must, you know, they might be struggling. And I can go from there and make a lot of great instructional decisions. And both of us use it for 
every subject, reading, math, science, and social studies, there's a way you can use it. We use it, like she said, for phonics, word study. It's really, really great for that. And one thing you didn't talk about, which I think is a really cool way you use it, is with the the uh, note wall. You know? Oh, the collaboration board. Yeah. yeah, I'll talk about that. So there is another feature called the collaboration board, which when you make it, you set it up. It's basically like a class cork board or bulletin board. Or it's like, like if you think about people doing exit tickets where they put like sticky notes up as yeah, they're leaving. It's like that, it's but on digital. It's, yeah. So it, and it's even really cute because it looks like a cork board and the students, when they type or submit something, it comes up there like a cork board on your screen. So I put it up on, we have smart boards. So I put it up on the smart board and the kids can see what everybody is submitting. So I use it like the biggest way I use it is for writing. So when we're in the brainstorming phase of writing, I will tell my kids, you know, like we're doing a personal narrative or whatever it is. Let's all come up with some topics for that we could use for and they can narrative. put they can put uh, uh, images, not just typed. Yeah, so they so. can type. So say they think, oh, we could write about dogs. They could type dogs and submit that, or they could find an image of a dog and submit a that. safe search image. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, an, it's a search within Nearpod. So they search within that, find a dog that they like, and then submit that, and it puts their submission up on the screen. And you can show the student names or hide student names whichever you think you want if your students are you know going to not want their name to be seen for what they put then you can make it anonymous but the students can submit as many as they can think of so they might think oh I could write about dogs and they put dogs and they go oh I could also write about you know farm animals and they could put that or I could write about this this time I went to my grandma's house and they put grandma's house they can put as many and then you have this whole big collaboration board on your screen and you can pull some up and talk about them and then you can leave that up and say you go to a writing workshop or whatever you do, leave that up on the screen. And then when students say, I don't know what to write about, you can tell them, go check our collaboration board. There's lots of ideas on there. I also use it for math when we're doing different strategies for math. My students will write. They can write on a paper or a whiteboard or directly on their iPad, their strategy they used, and put it on the collaboration board. And then they can do the problem in a different way, show a different strategy and put that up there. And then we can explore all the different ways people did that problem. And you can also keep it in your reports. It will stay in there. So then weeks later, if you're doing that unit again or whatever, you can pull that old board up and show the students. Remember a few weeks ago when we made this board? Now we're going to be doing another personal narrative or whatever you're doing. So let's pick another topic off the board and it can be pulled back up on your screen again. So and, um, and one thing, and they also has a component where there's little hearts where it's like, like Facebook. Yes, where they, they can, can like, like each other's. <laughs> where they can like it. Everybody, you can go in and like it, you know. So they can like each other's. Yeah, it's really I'm, I'm sure kids love that part. But yeah, they do. When they, uh, I would, I would use it with my kids even, but just have them search for the the, the at image. first search the image. Yeah, yeah. What can we write about or find something that begins with a letter A or whatever? A or whatever. Make a whole A and board. they yeah. can they can or some find something that has the short A. Yeah, that's then good. they could like type in hat or whatever and start and put hat up and everybody could find a different perfect uh, yeah yeah that's a good even when you're doing list. early numeracy when you're talking about numbers like when we're talking about the yeah, number five six everybody can go find five it could be uh fingers you know five fingers it could yeah. be five kittens they find a picture of five kittens whatever or a six pack really of coke way. or you know whatever yeah there's lots of ways they could yeah put so stuff up there. i love collaboration boards or they could just actually write in three plus three, you know, yeah. whatever, or they could find a picture. There's so many things. And that's what I like about it is because it's so open-ended and is, that's what I look for is there's mm -hmm. not just one right answer and everybody is, is critically thinking for themselves of how could I answer this question? 
Yeah, so that's the two things I was talking about is raising technology. Are the kids thinking? Is it requiring them still to think at a higher mm-hmm. level? And is every student able to, is it helping with engagement where every student can be a part of something? And I and think they, Nearpod does. Oh my gosh, my kids love Nearpod. They do. They really love it. So, so we talked a little bit about it. So we could talk and talk, but go check it out. <laughs> play around with it. It's really, really And, and if you have questions about it, just, you know, get in touch with us. We'd yes. love to help you. And also the link, like I said, will be there for the teacher guide and that will help you a lot too. Okay, so that's Nearpod. So the next one that we will talk about is Seesaw. And Seesaw is kind of a popular one. You've probably heard of it. And it's popular for good reason. It's really, really good. But we, at least I, might use Seesaw in a slightly different way than other people. So Seesaw is basically a digital student portfolio. So what you do is you create an account. It's free. You put your students in it, and when you put your students' names in, it assigns each of them a little animal. Avatar, you can yeah. change their animal if they're really upset about it. But you put <laughs> each student in, and now they are ready to build their portfolio. And the students can add things into their portfolio like photos, videos, drawings, yes, audio, all sorts of things. And it will just keep it into their portfolio and you can share it out with parents. Like you can literally have parents link into it and see their child's portfolio. Or you could always print from it if you need something for, again, conferences or RTI meetings. If you need some data, you can print directly from a student's portfolio. And that's basically why it's so popular is because it's just a really good way to keep track of what students are doing through the year and how they're growing and progressing through the year. And you can't keep all that stuff. Sometimes my kids will take pictures of things they build in math stations, which has to be taken apart. They want to keep it, so they take a picture of it, put it in their portfolio, and then it's there. And then they don't feel so bad, because I've had people put things on the shelf, and they're like, no one can take this apart. And I'm like, well, everybody else needs to use those things to build their own things. Yes. So, so it's th- nice for that, too. Yeah, it's really, it's a really good tool. And very kid-friendly. The students can really And they can share and see each other's. Yeah, if you allow it in your settings to work that way, students can, again, see each other's. They can like each other's. They can comment if you set it up that way. I would teach your kids, if you're going to do that, you know, about etiquette. It's a really good way to teach about online etiquette. I mean, that's very important. Which they need to learn anyway. (laughs) You know, when we comment on someone's things, like what could be a good comment, what should we not comment, you know, things like that. Because it is like a little small dive into social media we're not trying to raise little trolls here yeah so if you're gonna do that I would use that as a lesson so I use seesaw for accountability so like we've talked about before we both teach in small group a lot and one of the things that people always say that are kind of anti-small group or don't know how to do small group is how do I keep the kids accountable that are not with me how do I know they're doing what they're supposed to be doing And one, we always usually tell people not to worry about that as much, not to just let your kids run wild. That's not what we're saying, but really worry and focus on your kids at your table because that's where the bulk of great instruction is happening. But there is a way I use Seesaw for accountability and I call it with my students, their evidence of learning. So what we use in our room, what I use in my room is a kind of a modified version of daily five, but I only do three. So I do reading, read to self, independent reading, they always have that one, writing, and word work. And in that time, students are, some students are with me, and if they're not, they're doing one of those three things. And in my class, they get to choose. They get to choose which one they do in what order, and they also get a lot of choice in this 
adaptation itself. So read itself is, I mean, they get to choose the book. That's pretty, you know, self-explanatory. Writing, I have a whole writing station where they can choose to write a scribble story or write a letter, write in their journal. I have different writing prompts, just all sorts of different things and they can choose. So during that time is not when they're doing their writing assignment. That's a different time of our day. I want them to really be able to choose writing. And then word work, I just have different activities, not just worksheets, but activities that they work on with their, in my room, vocabulary words, probably in your room, more phonics and spelling, because mm -hmm. that's what they're working on. In my room, it's vocabulary. And then at the end of a round, at the beginning of the year, we do it at the end of each round, we all come to the carpet and I tell the students, bring what you just worked on. So if you read, bring your book. If you did writing, bring your writing. If you did word work, then bring it with you if you can. And then the students have to take a picture of it on their seesaw and send it to me. And here's how it works. If they did read to self, they have to take a picture of the book they read and type or write on it. Most of my students type because they're kind of older a summary of what you had read that day. So if you read chapter three, tell me what happened in chapter three on the picture. So in Seesaw, they can take a photo and type right on it. They type, first this happened, that this character, then this happened, whatever. They submit that to me. They, for writing, say they wrote a letter to someone in the school. They take a photo of the writing and they submit that to me. Word work, they take a photo of their activity. So some of them are puzzles, like vocabulary puzzles. And when they complete the puzzle, they take a photo of it and they send that to me. And then in a few weeks down the road in the school year, we do it after the rounds. And I tell students, bring your best evidence of learning. So just pick the one that you think is the best and bring that to submit to Seesaw today. And then I will go through after school. If a student didn't submit something that day, then I'm going to pull them over and say, what did you do at stations yesterday? I didn't see anything in your seesaw. And then they'll have to explain to me what happened. And they might have to do that again, or they might have to do some extra that day, or they might have to do something with me at a small group, whatever I need them to do. And that's their accountability. And you use, like you said, if they're doing a math station, they take a picture of that to show you or whatever similar. Yeah. Or if they're in word work, we do word work. Uh, some days we have like I give them a list of words that goes with our skill. So some of the words are more difficult. So you pick the words you want to do. And you have to show me evidence of that word, whether it's with the Play-Doh or sometimes we have straws or we have stamps or uh, a, like there's blocks and letter cards where they can build the word out of blocks. Any way you choose, you have to make one or two of those words or even three if you can and take pictures of them and put them in your portfolio so that I can see what you were working on. Yeah and one of the great things especially in third grade is the students are do start doing longer and longer writing projects and mm -hmm. if they take a picture of it I don't have to lug all of that paper home. I can go home on my computer and see everyone's writing and write down notes. I have a little format that I use to give my students notes on their writing when we do conferences. And so I can just look at it on my computer. I don't have to take home 32 pages of paper and then spill coffee on them like I always do. <laughs> and the students can also just take them home. So sometimes they have written this really cool thing and they're like, I want to show my mom and I'll say, okay, put it on Seesaw. You can take it home today. You can take that home with you because now I have it. I can see it and I can grade it or give feedback or whatever just using the picture. Mm -hmm. And another good one for our, like first grade or early childhood is because they're because it's just a center they can take their iPads with them out into the hall and I tell them go and find numbers not I mean amounts 
I mean, it could be a picture. It could be the number two on a door or whatever, or it could be two tiles. Go find this number. See how many pictures you can take that represent this number. Or find things that start with this letter, like you're yeah. saying. Like yeah, that. and it's just, hunt. it's only like three or four of them. So they can go around and do that. And I tell them, you, you know, that you need to be sure that you're doing your job. And I give them boundaries, but... Yeah, I also do well. a similar thing with math that reminds me that every week my students do a choice board for math in their math stations. And one of the choice boards is the seesaw around the room. And I hide problems around the room. <laughs> sometimes they're word problems or sometimes if we're on the fractions unit, it'll be fractions problems, whatever. I put 10 problems around the room and then students have to take their iPad and open up Seesaw and they have the choice of either take a photo of the problem they found and then write on it to explain how they solved it or they can just take a video and use their voice to explain to me and so I tell my kids like if you are not comfortable writing mathematically because at first a lot of them are not but they can speak it mathematically then just mm -hmm. do a video and show me how you solved that problem so if it's an addition problem like tell me how you went through it every step you took and then later down the road of the year they get better at writing mathematically because we practice that and so they can take a photo and just write here's how I solved it first I did this next I did this whatever and they have to do five of those and that's really great data for me too because I just go right into seesaw and I can see oh this person really understands adding they have all these great strategies and they can explain it this person couldn't explain it at all or whatever and so it's great data for me and also with the daily five one when we come to the carpet you know it's always great and you're supposed to we always know you're supposed to have students share what they did with each other like mm -hmm. if they did a cool writing they're supposed to share and with seesaw you can just pull it up on the screen so everybody can see so if a student wants to share I never make them share or put it on the screen without their permission but if they are really proud of like I did this really cool writing today and I want my classmates to see it I will put it up on the screen and then I'll have that student come up. And this year I have a stage, so it's really, really cool. They can, come up, they can come up on the stage and stand by the screen and share with everybody, here's what I wrote about today and here's why it was so great to me, whatever. And now everybody could see it instead of them just holding it where everybody can't really see it that well. And it gives me a chance to show good examples. I was just working on that for my new class. I was looking at my last year's class seesaws for some good examples because uh -huh. I was like, oh, I'm teaching my kids how to do this certain word work activity. Let me go find good examples from last year. Mm -hmm. And I just pulled those photos in so my students this year could see this is what it should kind of look like when you're done, you know. It kind of occurs to me that I used to do all these things before we had technology in a way. Yeah. Like I would put, I would cut apart problems and hide them around the room. Like I would tape one on the bottom of the trash can yeah. and the kids would have to go around and find them. But the problem is the first group that did it, the next group would see where all they looked, but it was basically the same thing. I just didn't have the added benefit of the technology. And I was thinking I used to do like these scavenger hunts around the room, like find, you know, something that starts with this letter or find something on, find a word on the word wall that has three syllables. But now you could so easily do a scavenger hunt with the seesaw. Yes, and it could easily be one of those things where you're like, oh, we have 10 minutes before lunch. What do I do? Uh, and you don't have a paper. You didn't copy anything, but you have your iPads or whatever. So mm -hmm. we could do a quick scavenger hunt or yeah. quick this or whatever because you don't have to have a paper. You just have... See, see how many three-syllable words you can find, and it doesn't even have to be the word. It could be the object, but when you say it, it has three syllables. So yeah. a lot of a lot of ways they can work together, be interactive, and and they're just and and so much more engaged than here's a paper, you know, you know. Yes. 
So and it's a lot of paperless. It's nice. <laughs> yeah, we. I am like almost paperless. I do still have my students do writing projects on paper. Like they still write, and we do things like, like I said, with the word work, we do puzzles and very hands-on things like that. But when it comes to just a lot of things, we another are benefit of technology and teachers that are listening that have been teaching for a while, you will understand this. Uh, we used to have these like two or three. Uh, like big tall filing cabinets in our rooms because everything you did you had to file it and keep it because where are you going to get that paper again the next year to make those copies if you don't save it and remember those filing cabinets I don't even have a filing cabinet anymore because everything's kept on technology so you do but it's your filing cabinet on your computer yeah, yeah it's online and you know some of these things I don't even have filed in my computer they're filed on the Nearpod app or you know yeah, so like so, once so you nice. once you have made the Nearpod activities or the Seesaw activities, if you do that, then you have them for the next year, which is very right. nice. So that is Seesaw. I think we covered everything how we <laughs> use it. It they ha and Seesaw has activities and as well. And you can use it with your Nearpod. I use it with my Nearpod sometimes. Like whatever they like I tell them an activity to do on Nearpod and part of it is go take a picture. Like one of the slides on Nearpod might be use Seesaw to take a picture, you know. And then mm -hmm. come back to Nearpod. Yeah, you can like I think that's called app smashing when you, <laughs> it really is. So when you use an app within an app and come back, yeah. So yeah, and Seesaw has activities too. We didn't even touch on that. They have activities already in there yeah. or you can make activities, but the we teachers won't. have made them and they're free and they're, they're really good There's ones. There's a bunch of good ones. So one you can of the first ones that. I ever used was the, uh, the chickaboom tree. Somebody yeah, made the chickaboom tree. Cool stuff, so, so for first graders to put the ABCs in order. So yep. So just for we them can't. to get to know how to use the app, it's a good one. Yeah, and we can't even talk about all those, so you have to go play around with that. <laughs> yeah, go, just go, that's what I'm saying, there's just so many. You just go search, probably search any subject or any book, and there'll be something somebody for has created. Do, for sure. Okay, so ready for the third one? So the third one is kind of also popular. If you look at anything in ed tech, I'm not, we are not the first people to come up with using <laughs> this. This has been around. But it's a really good one, and if you don't use it, you really should start using it. And it is pic collage. And pic collage was not actually made as a ed tech app at first. It was just a picture <laughs> collage app, and then teachers were so cool and smart and started using <laughs> it. And so pic collage actually does have what's called pic collage edu now, which is safe pictures. Pretty much the same, but now it's safe pictures for students and just safe things for them to be able to search <laughs> so it's really really nice but pic collage is basically what it just sounds like it's a collage maker which sounds boring but it's so cool the infinite ways it's not when you you're like find it. all the things that start with b or you but know it's just, also, anything it's like just one of those things where they're creating which is that highest level of thinking is creating something making something it can be very art they get you know you get your they artistic get creative, kids yes and your artistic kids enjoy that too because so, they can lay it out however they want it what i like to do is put my graphic organizers in there so we do like a weekly we do a weekly anchor chart is what i call it so i make an anchor chart but i also want my students to make it too and so i will send them the anchor chart blank to their ipad if you can airdrop that's the easiest way to do it and then they put that into pic collage as the background. And so there's some steps involved to that. And I'm not going to go through the steps on here. I will have a blog post about it. I'll link to that. But they set it as their background. And then we go through the anchor chart. Say we're talking about story elements. Because that's one we're about to do literally mm -hmm. this week. And so we've read a story. And now I'll go, okay, 
who were the characters of the story and now the students can type on there or they can add photos or they can draw or they can add stickers there's like all sorts of cool things they can change the font to look however they want it to look they can change the color they can add like these little things that look like washi tape like they can just make it their own and it's really cool because it's colorful they don't have to get out the crayons and all that and try to draw it out if they're not comfortable with that they can find pictures when we did because of when dixie we did a little chart that went with that and the students actually searched because of when dixie and found photos from the movie and they were saying like oh this is this part of the book this is when they had the party let's put that in our chart and they would click that photo and put it in there and then at the end whatever they have created they can save to their library and it's in their iPad forever. So it's great for graphic organizers or anchor charts where it's not just you making it, which is very important. You should make it with the kids, but they also make one and they can save it in their iPad. And we all know like anchor charts are great to make and for, you want the students to be able to reference them through the year, but you also don't want to cover your wall with anchor charts. <laughs> so I like the students to make them with me in pit collage, save them in an album on their iPad that we call reading anchor charts or math anchor charts whatever and then when the students are struggling with characters I'll go well bring your iPad and let's look at the character chart that we talked about remember we did that and they can pull it up and I don't have to go pull out that anchor chart or whatever they have it like a reference book in front of them well real quickly I want to say that oh sorry <laughs> <laughs> that uh you know how many people have done these worksheets I know you've done these worksheets especially with beginning phonics where you have the little pictures at the bottom and then you have two columns cut out the pictures and glue the pictures that have the at family words on this side and cut out the pictures that have the and family words on this side and so this is a way of doing it that's not that way because you're only giving them a limited number of pictures where you can do it on pit collage where I put a background and I and I just came up with I just made my own where there's a picture of Batman so it's the Batman page and so I have them search themselves for pictures that are from the at family and then they can pick you know they get those and put them on that bat side and then they are supposed to look for pictures from the Anne family and they put those on the man side so we're doing the Batman page and it you know kids will search for hat but then some kids get really your kids that are readers get a little bit more in depth and they'll search for things like chat you know or other words that maybe would be a little bit too hard for some kids and so it's open-ended it's not just those eight pictures that you have on the bottom that they're cutting apart does yes, that make sense yeah and it's making them think they're really having to think about what could I find that does fit that criteria yeah and it needs to be the and sound but they can it can be in the middle of the word because I've had kids say what can I put sand and I'm like well yes it has the and in it and most of the time that is they're not they're only thinking of you know the short vowel cvc words but I don't mind if you can find a word that has and in the middle great you know yeah, that's really good. Or two-syllable words sometimes. So it's just so open-ended. And so it's not like an online worksheet. It's just so much more. Yes. Another way I like to use pit collage, probably more with the older grades, is toward the end of the year, we start using it as a book creator. And I know there is Book Creator, which is also another great app that's <laughs> literally called that. And I like to use that one too. But my students are so comfortable with pit collage that we really use it for the same type of thing. So they pull up a blank pit collage and they get to make their book. They get to decide what they want it to be. They title it. So they write the title, they write their name as the author, and then they find photos. So if they're writing about 
a dog, they find a photo of her dog or whatever, and I tell them, make it look like a book cover that you would want to pick out, and they make it, <laughs> and then they go to a new pic collage, and now they start typing their book, and they can add photos, so I tell them, like, even in chapter books, sometimes there's little photos or little vignettes or whatever, and you can add that, and then if I can, I will try to print them out for the students so that they can actually have it on paper if it's not too terribly long. Some of them are long, and then they're, I just tell them, it's an ebook because <laughs> I can't print that. <laughs> but if it's shorter, then I can print it out for them, and they love to see their book being printed out. And I just print it straight from my computer. I just take the pic collage screenshots, and I print those out. And so we get to make books. And for some of, the, some of my students that are kind of reluctant writers, they really like that because... It lets them be a lot more creative without having to physically sit there and write, which for some of them is really daunting or hard. So it's a really good way. It's just very great for your creative kids. They love to use it. I let my students this week create their own background for their iPad in pic collage. Mm -hmm. And I said, you just have to have your name on it. That's my only criteria. It has to have your name where I can see somewhere. So when I look at the iPads, I know whose it is. But you can add photos, stickers, background, whatever you want to add if it's school appropriate. And then they got to make their background. So, so they get, get like to be creative. It's kind of like an online makerspace or yeah. creation station. <laughs> but it's all online so you don't have to supply anything except the background yeah, sometimes. Yeah, it's very or cool. Or have them make their own background. Yeah. So anything that you just want your students to be able to be more open about or creative about could definitely be dropped into pic collage and used. And if it's like, uh, you know, at the beginning of the year, you can sit at, you can have it, do it at your table first. And show them how to do it. Go through one with them and show them how to do it. A lot of times, especially younger kids will need that. Yes, and it's one that does take a little bit more actual teaching. It's not so... The EDU one is kind of a little bit kid-friendly, but they do have to learn how to do some of the things like cut things out, like crop and set as background and stuff. It's kind of a little more intricate, but if you take the time up front to teach them they pick up on it pretty that's quick that's why i'm saying it might have to be done together a few yeah, times because it is a little more complicated yeah. but then it's <laughs> teaching them things they're going to need it's very know. good like so. digital skills yes so that's our big three <laughs> and then we were just going to touch on really quick some that you might probably already know about and these ones aren't as much creative output these are kind of game ones um, obviously, most people have heard of Kahoot. If you have not heard of Kahoot, it's with a K. You should go look into it. You can make quizzes for your students, and they look up at the screen. Or you can pick one that's already on there, but I would preview yes. it because... Yeah, because some of them are not They're great. made by people, <laughs> and some, some of them are not, not exactly what you're looking for. Yeah, um, but it's just a quiz where the students look up at the screen to see the question, and then on their screen is four or three or two, however many choices there are, colors... And they have to find the right answer. If the right answer is red, then they touch red. And then it gives you and your class feedback of how they're doing. And if you want to show, you can show who's in first place, second place, whatever, like that. And then another one similar to that. Or you can do it. You don't have to do it as a whole group. You can do, you it, can do it as a, as a station. Homework. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of a homework? homework. It's homework, but I do it. You can just do it as a station if you assign it. I think it's, I can't remember if it's, if it's homework or challenge on Kahoot. It's challenge. Look. I think it's challenge. Okay, so that's when they can do it. Sometimes I even send those for um, homework. Some of my students' parents will be like, is there something they can do on their tablet at home, you know, that's not playing Fortnite <laughs> again? And I'll say, well, they can do this Kahoot, and I'll send them yeah. the code. Yeah, I mean, it's anyway. great if you if you have to send homework. If, if they have technology. Yeah. I wouldn't send that as mandatory You can homework. play it on a phone. 
Yeah. You can do it. I wouldn't phone. do it man- mandatory because there's equity issues with that. But if your students have technology, they can definitely do it at home. Send the code home. Yeah, and you can get the app on your phone, the Kahoot app, and play it on yeah. your phone. But if you want it, if you want a challenge, then they just sit at their station and do it. But by the end of the day, everybody's done the same quiz and mm-hmm. so you can look at you can look at the at their leaderboard uh, leaderboard then if unless you don't want to but yeah if you have a uber competitive <laughs> class then you might not want to another one that's similar to Kahoot but I like for my older students basically just because it has funny memes is quizzes which is q-u-i-z-i-z-z the difference of quizzes is it is more student paced so the students don't have to wait for everybody else to answer to go to question two. Like Kahoot, they have to wait for everyone to answer and then go to the next question together. Mm-hmm. On quizzes, the leaderboard's up there, but everybody is answering questions at their own pace. And these little green and red dots are flying up on the screen, with, which means people getting them right, people missing, people getting them right, people missing. And it'll show the class average. So the class <laughs> average will fluctuate. Like maybe it's we're at 80% and then we'll go down to 72%. And my students will be like, oh no, we need to get some right. Our class average is <laughs> so dropping. So it's goal setting. Yeah. So, and then it'll show the leaderboard if you want to show that too. And it will fluctuate because people that are really, really fast, they'll be at the beginning of the leaderboard, but then someone who's taking their time and getting more right, they'll eventually come up and beat them. So that fast kid will learn, oh, I went fast, but in the end, that didn't really matter because I missed some. (laughs) And also after each question is a funny meme pops up if they missed it then it's kind of a funny meme about that and if they got it right it'll do a funny it's a lot of pop culture things that the kids really like but they are school appropriate because it's a school app designed for education so it's not ever inappropriate but they just think they're hilarious so that's (laughs) one and you can also assign it as homework or challenge and then have the students do it at their own time and then show the leaderboard at the end if you want or you don't have to so we do quizzes as morning work a lot. and there are pre-made ones so you can go in and yes, search for, sure. for anything but and like a, again you should probably yeah, do it first it. but sometimes i'll just put a quizzes code up on the board as our morning work and the students come in they mm-hmm. hang their backpack do their stuff and get their ipad out and do the quizzes and that's their morning work so it's really great and then a new one that i'm going to use this year because it's a few people have used it but it's kind of newer it's called gim kit and i don't know a lot about it so I will, G-I-M. yeah, G I M K I T. I think it's very similar to Kahoot and quizzes, but the students actually have a like there's username a component of within money. it, yeah. and they earn and lose money based on what they're getting right and wrong in the quizzes. That then the money can be used in the app for different avatars and things. Kind of if you use Prodigy, similar to that, mm-hmm. where but they're I trying like to that earn because things. it's all tied together. Whereas the Kahoot, everyone's just separate when you finish that code it doesn't matter but yeah it's kind of tied together it's more like they keep the username i think through the different quizzes mm-hmm. earning or losing money and then being able to use that money it's obviously not real money it's gim kit money or whatever <laughs> they use within the app so we're i'm gonna use right. that one and we will talk more about that one too right it. and it's the same uh there are there are other apps that are game apps that have that my kids like code spark um you know coding uh, and that also has that same component. And so, and so those are games, and we understand there are times for those. I, I use those sometimes in uh, stations, like at a math station, when they get a free choice at iPad time. But the other things that we've been talking about, Seesaw and Nearpod especially, are 
are more assignment and instruction tools. driven and also can drive your instruction because you can look and you can say, you know, this person really wasn't, this kid really wasn't getting it. So I need to pull them into another small group and we need to focus on that skill because I can see they weren't really getting it. Yes. So it's just a lot of accountability on the kids and data for you to help you make decisions. Whereas with the game ones, you can get some data, but really it's just like a multiple choice test you know how reliable is that data but those are still good I those are like practice things the students are practicing and those are good um, but the first three we talked about which is why there are a big major three really can help you drive instruction because you're actually seeing what students have created for you in all three of those in Nearpod mm -hmm. they have created something and sent it to you seesaw same thing and pick collage same thing mm -hmm. and they can also make like you said pick collages and then put them on seesaw so yeah. make this pit collage <laughs> screenshot it and put it on seesaw so i can see your pit collage from today that you worked on yeah or whatever it is screenshotting that's another thing they learn yes teach your kids to screenshot <laughs> we've been talking about that this week too and okay. that one you don't have to crop or anything so. yes and also if nothing else you know the ipads themselves have the markup tool for photos so on all photos you take on your ipad there's this little markup tool where you can mark right on photos so students can do that too mm -hmm. but it doesn't have as many options but if nothing else you can use that too okay so that's our three and then some fun game ones at the end we threw in but the three big ones were nearpod seesaw and pick collage and like i said i will put things in the show notes i will link to our workbook for nearpod teacher guide workbook you should definitely look into that and be on the lookout. Seesaw is the next one that I'm creating. I don't know when it will be done. I'm not going to give you a date because then I won't get it done in time. <laughs> <laughs> because we have a lot of other things to do. But yeah. also, in the comments, let us know about any apps or games that you use that are really great. Because we can always learn more. We can always use more. So I like to have a broad spectrum of things that I can use. Because even though some of these are kind of the same. It's nice to mix them up because it feels different to the kids. So Yes. Yeah, really fun. Just so many endless possibility of things. Sometimes I do. wonder. I, I sit there and I look at my kids doing their Nearpod in a station. And I have some working on a Nearpod at my table. We're doing intervention. And I, I, I think, how did I teach before I had this? I don't know. Yes. But also <laughs> to say before people might think this, this is not... Our it's students not using technology in everything they do every day. Like we, our students also do a lot off of technology. It just seems like that now because that's all we've been talking about. Right. It's <laughs> a we, small. It's a small portion. And we do use it a lot, but every day. The but students not are also day. still having very authentic experiences, which I think these apps lend themselves to. Is what I was trying to say. It's not just here's kids sit on this iPad and do X Y Z. It's really still very much them having experience which as if you've been listening to us you know we're like very big on students building their skills through experience and so that wouldn't be any different with technology. I, will, I feel like it's no different than when I'm doing intervention than me having an intervention binder I just have the binder on a Nearpod you know so I don't have to make copies and everybody has their own you know mm -hmm. so it is still interactive with me. Yes. We still so. use books. <laughs> yeah. We still yes. have, we have, have huge classroom libraries. I do novel studies. We still have paper. Still have paper and pencil. pencil. <laughs> we so do all that, but we also find, incorporate technology. You just find the good balance that mm. helps your kids learn. But you Not, will find you, you copy a lot less. You do. Yeah. <laughs> and it is really nice. And in those little moments of like that 10 minutes before lunch, 
you always have something yeah. you can fall back on because you have the iPads there or whatever and just pull something up. It's pretty easy. Yeah. So if you have any questions, <laughs> like always, let us know. Please, please like and subscribe and leave a review for us on if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts. If you are not listening to us on Apple Podcasts, let me enlighten you. There is a <laughs> nice purple podcast app on your phone. It is there. You did not put it there. It is just there. Look for it. And that, a microphone. It, yeah, it's purple. <laughs> and look for it. And we will, if you search Teaching at the Speed of Sound, we are there. And that's where you can leave us a review and like and subscribe. And thank you for listening. And boom, you're amazing. Oh, yeah, As right. always. <laughs> I drink my